So we ask this for your glory. Amen. Well, I wonder whether you're ready for Father's Day, whether everything that needed to happen in your household has. Uh, Perhaps there's a little uh, duck to the supermarket a little bit later to to grab some chocolates for someone or or jump online and and buy a voucher and then sort of, you know, email it on. Um, Maybe uh, Father's Day and presents don't really matter. Uh, maybe it's because uh, your father sort of has said, you know, don't sort of waste money on me or, or you know that your dad's going to sort of maybe roll their eyes or throw things in the bin anyway or that um, perhaps you've got one of those annoying dads who just buys presents for himself and then sort of says, oh, you know, just, here you go, you can give it to me. There's, there's things when being ready matters and then there's other times when being ready doesn't really make a difference at all, isn't it? But there's all these situations when something matters and we're not ready for it, that it just evokes a whole lot of emotions, doesn't it? Whether it's that work deadline that sort of sneaks up into you and you sort of look at the calendar for this week and you're like, oh no, really? I thought I had another week before that was due. Or the sort of family member who turns up out of the blue and sort of, you know, you realise that they're going to be hanging around for an extended meal or even perhaps that they need uh, to stay for a few nights. Or that exam that's coming up and that despite your best efforts to prepare, you you sort of sit down in the exam and you just know, I'm not ready for this. What does it feel like for you when you're not ready for something that really matters? Now, Now, some of us sort of like the adrenaline rush of sort of just, you know, just winging it. But generally, it's not good when we're not ready for something matters. Our heart rate rises, we get sweaty, thoughts sort of circulate in our mind about what's going to happen because we know that we aren't as prepared as we could be for this thing that really matters. When was the last time you weren't ready for something that mattered? Maybe it's an exam, you know, a wedding where you turned up after the bride had entered the church building. You missed the plane. Or maybe you just weren't ready for school. If it's one of these sort of one-off events, this big event that you're looking forward to, it can be quite traumatic to, to not be ready. But if it's something regular like school where you just sort of grab a late notice and no one even really notices, then you sort of think, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, there's a difference between not being ready for a Zoom meeting that's sort of uh, an organisational-wide thing where you can just log in and not put your camera on, as opposed to not being ready for the Zoom meeting that you're chairing and you've got to direct where it's all going to go. Being ready for something that matters is good. (laughs) It's good to be ready for important things. And actually being ready for something shows that we think it matters, doesn't it? We had some people come over yesterday, you know, people coming over, so what does it mean to get ready? You know, sort of clear, clear the junk, give the impression that the house is clean, prepare some food so that people can eat. Our message today from Jesus is all about the reality that he is coming back. And the, the encouragement, the exhortation is to be ready. And so we're going to see a few things in our passage today. Firstly, that it's good. It's good for us to be ready. That we would be ready 
uh, by watching and that we would be ready realising that we're being watched. You see, Jesus is coming back. That's a core Christian belief. It's his explicit claim. And so it's important for us to think, when was the last time you thought about that clearly? That Jesus is coming back. What was the last decision that you made that was really shaped by this belief? Well, if Jesus is coming back, I'm going to do this. I wonder when the last time was that you prayed that Jesus would return soon. As we sort of pondered this on Thursday night, I was really challenged. Because I think for me, my default outlook is I'm going to live a long and full life now. I look forward to a peaceful and unprolonged death. And then I've just got this security of forgiveness and life eternal in Jesus. And so I do believe that God is directing what a full life now looks like. So I look to him for direction in how I'd approach life. But I'm not really having this outlook. I'm not really ready for Jesus to come back anytime sooner than when I die peacefully in an unprolonged death at a good age. What about you? Where is Jesus' return on your radar as you navigate life? Are you hopeful constantly? Are you reliant on this claim? What do you find difficult or confronting when you consider Jesus' return and the implications that has for you and this world and eternity? Our passage today is so explicit. Jesus is coming back, so be ready. Now, this has been a little bit of a a disjointed series as we sort of had a topical series. So if we just sort of recap what's been going on earlier in the chapter, chapter 12, verse 1, we read that there was a a crowd of many thousands they'd gathered. They're trampling one another. And Jesus begins to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Jesus then unpacks this this warning about a two-faced double life that's seen in the religious leaders. And then in verse 13, someone calls out, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus responds to that in verse 15 to announce to the crowd, Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then in verse 22, having um, told the parable of the rich young man, and Jesus gives this direction to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, about your body, what you'll wear. And so then, in our passage today, verse 35, Jesus still with this extended audience of disciples near and crowds surrounding, says this, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. And so the first thing that we see in our passage today is that it's good for us to be ready. 
And so the image that Jesus gives in verse 35 is being dressed to serve. Uh, the image is of this nighttime wait with servants waiting for their master to return from an event. Not them sort of lounging around in their PJs, but dressed for work and attentive and alert. And we read that it's good for a servant to be ready for their master. It'll be good for them to be ready because we read that the master's return is going to be unexpected. And it's good for the servant to both know and then meet the master's expectations. Now, many of you know that uh, maybe once a year or a little bit more, Helena goes back to the the farm to to spend time with her parents on a time when I can't go. And um, when Helena goes away, there's various things that uh, I like to to fill my week with. Uh, Lots of dairy, straight to the supermarket, lots of dairy, uh, because I know it won't accidentally get stolen uh, by people who shouldn't be eating it. Uh, I try and find... Uh, the latest gritty drama uh, that I know Helena would hate, you know, something that's just very real life. Uh, Helena's all about uh, fiction. My head can't do fiction. I'm just all about non-fiction. Uh, so I find something that I'm going to be able to watch. Uh, and there's sort of this uh, freedom to go, the only mess that's going to be made in the house is the mess that I create. Because if you've got other people in your household, you know, sort of thing, you sort of clean something up and then you come back later and then it's suddenly a mess. You're like, okay, okay. But there's something just really enjoyable to sort of go, the only mess here is going to be the mess that I make. And what does it mean for me to prepare for Helena's return? Well, I know at the back of my head that when she's coming back, it's going to be good for me that the house looks in in a certain order. And so normally how the week goes is that I just stock up all my um, you know, cups and bowls and everything on the sink and just do one wash at the end, just, just the day before she's coming back, one vacuum just before she's coming back. I can handle the mess, but there's something about knowing when she's coming back and it's good for me to be ready for her return. I know the things that she values. I know what the kind of expectations would be. Helena, to her credit, never sort of says the house better be like this. She doesn't even mention it. But I know her and I know what she values. And so it's good for me to be ready for her return. And so it is for those who are ready for Jesus' return. It is good for them. And we get this great picture in verse 37 of why it's good. Jesus says, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. You see what Jesus is saying, be ready for? Be ready for when your loving master returns. Because what's your loving master going to do? He's going to serve you. You see how good it is for the servant who is ready? The master literally switches places. Having perhaps come back from a celebration late in the night, the master doesn't get changed to go to bed. The master gets changed to go to work. The master returns and becomes the servant. And serves those servants 
who were ready on his return. It's this great picture of the goodness in being ready when your loving master returns. How does Jesus describe the experience for the servant? They get to recline. They're now going to be waited on. And again, in sort of the the second parable, so we see now reading that there are these two illustrations, these two parables of what it means to be ready. The second one seems to be a direct answer to Peter's question in uh, verse 42, where he's sort of saying, are you talking to everyone or just to us? And, And so the second parable has this new character, the manager, who's also a servant, and sort of seems to be responding to Peter, but really anyone who's got some position of authority uh, within ministry. And so we see in that illustration as well, verse 43 and 44, that it will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Why? Truly I tell you, verse 44, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. You see the blessing in being ready? Those who take care in executing their responsibilities for their master, when the master returns, it will be good for them because the master will provide more scope for them. There'll be greater opportunity. Everything that the master has, the manager now will have at their disposal. So in both of these parables, we see that it is good to be ready for the master's return ready for this unexpected arrival. You see, it's different when I I know when Helena's coming back, she sort of says, oh, you know, this is when I'm coming back. Uh, We can be chatting as she's driving. I can even sort of track on the Apple Finder phone where they're up to so I can just be scrubbing, making sure we're all good, we're all good. But Jesus, no, 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 he's going to come at an hour that we don't expect. But it'll be good for those who are ready. And so that's why we should be ready. It'll be good. It'll be good for those who are ready when the master returns. So how should we be ready? Well, we see this picture of being ready by watching. To be awake, not sleepy. To to be dressed for work. To have your lamp burning. to, To be living with the lights on. You know, hand on the door handle, waiting to let your master in, listening for the footsteps. It's this picture of anticipation, excitement at the arrival of the master. It's this picture of of a a guard who's alert, knowing that their role is significant. And it's not that we're sort of ready to take down the baddies. I think that's sort of a little allusion there to the the robbers. It's sort of this alertness at the return of the master. Ready to receive our loving master when he comes. And it's a readiness that's seen by wanting to serve. And I think we see readiness to, to watch over two sort of areas. Watching for opportunities to serve and honour the master in their absence. I think that's the picture of these lamps burning. It's an opportunity for us to be to pleasing our master, to be aware of our surroundings, to see what good we can do. But it's about being awake and alert. 
rather than asleep and distracted. Being ready is not about being drowsy. It's not failing to keep watch over that which is entrusted to us. It's an acknowledgement that we live in a surroundings where there's much opportunity for hurt and pain and compromise and that we can be complacent as we aren't attentive to the things that our master values. It's a delusion to, to live with a mindset that, well, I don't think the master's coming back anytime soon. Or this sort of self-justification that we sort of say, well, it's not like I'm doing anything wrong. But what we see in these examples is being ready is watching for opportunities to please the master in the master's absence. Watching for opportunities to do good. But it's also about watching what's going on in here. We see in verse 45 the lies that one of the servants starts to believe. Jesus says, suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. You see these misguided perceptions that this servant fails to see? This perception that because... Jesus hasn't returned soon, then maybe he's not coming at all. And so maybe it doesn't really matter how I live. We know, you know, when there's sort of no immediate consequences for our actions, we can sometimes think, no one really cares. It doesn't really matter. But there's a great encouragement here that being ready is watching our heart and watching our desires. It's watching our actions and it's, it's watching the way that we relate to others. Because one of the great temptations that we see, I think, in both these parables is the temptation to flip the role of who we are. Rather than accepting the posture of a servant, it's so tempting for us to start living life as though we're the master. That we're the one who asks questions of God. Well, God, why haven't you given me this? Why are you allowing this to happen? When are you actually going to return? Rather than living in the posture of a servant who is willing to acknowledge that the master comes and goes on his own schedule and he's not really answerable to us. And so there are two aspects to watching here that I think fills out what it means to be ready. Watching out there for opportunities to do good, this idea of, of having our lamp lit, seeing opportunities that are around us, at work, in our household, in our community, in our church, but also being watchful of misguided beliefs and dishonourable actions that start to manifest our lives. You see, being ready for Jesus' return is not like just being ready for school. It's not like, oh, I'll just slip into the office, get a late note, and we'll try again a bit better tomorrow. 
When Jesus returns, it's an eternal, defining, once-in-a-lifetime event. And it's going to be defining because what we also see in our passage today is someone is actually watching how we wait. What does it mean to be ready? Well, it's living with this understanding that God is watching us. God is watching us all the time. You know, for the the servant who's sort of thinking, oh, I don't really want to be waiting up all night, fully dressed. I'll I'll just have a little lie down and sort of keep an, an ear out. Or, you know, that thing when you sort of, you know, you've got an early start the next day. I don't know if people have done this. You know, when I did this younger days, it's sort of like, oh, I'm going to go for a run early in the morning. So I'll just go to sleep in my running gear because that just sort of eliminates another step I have to do in the morning. and means I can sleep a little bit longer and I'll still be there ready. It's all these little shortcuts in readiness that sort of are not keeping us focused and alert, but it's sort of hedging our bets a little bit. Jesus gives the warning that being ready is acknowledging and realising that we're being watched. You see here with this this servant in the second parable who has the responsibility to manage. We see something of how they've convinced themselves that no one's really watching how they're managing their role. No one will really find out what they're doing. It's a bit like that fraudster who sort of starts stealing money from their organisation And nothing happens. No one calls them up, so they start spending it. Or that politician who starts to sort of do some shady deals and no one really says anything. Often in life, there's no immediate consequence when we breach some sort of regulations. It's not like we sort of often are at the beach and as soon as you get out of swimming between the flags, the lifeguard's like on the whistle with the megaphone. Hey, you, get back in here. That's often not life's experience. Often there is no immediate consequence for our actions. Often we can delude ourselves that we have gotten away with things. Convince ourselves that it doesn't really matter what we've done or said. But just like when the auditor goes through the company's transactions or ICAC starts to look through the politician's files... The reality is our life is a life that is being watched. Our phone tracks our movements, our bank account tracks where we spend, our internet provider, if asked, could ask for the browsing history on every device in our household. We might think we can live in this sort of private, incognito kind of behaviour, but there's always someone watching how we live. The true master. So what does it mean to be ready for Jesus' return? Well, it's living with this posture that the Master is watching us at all times. Living our life with an outlook that God knows and sees all that we're doing. Now, now one of these movies that Helena probably doesn't really like is this old Robin Williams one called The Final Cut. And it's this movie where in this future, people have this uh, video camera sort of embedded into their skin somewhere, which records, first person, their life. And when people die, 
this person, Robin Williams' character, is, is a cutter and he has access to all that footage. And so a funeral or memorial service is a video presentation of all these highlights from someone. But the distressing thing for Robin Williams' character is that he sees everything. He sees all the indiscretions in someone's life and has to curate this positive version at the person's death. And it's this reality that actually, if there was a recording of everything that we've seen, done and said, it'd be pretty confronting. So the reality is what it means to be ready is to realise and live with this posture that we are being watched. There will be an evaluation of how we have lived. And so there is that sombre question of what will the Master find for us? Well, what we see in this passage is that the Master will find some who are ready and others who aren't. Some who are engaged in faithful service and others who have been abusing their privileges. Now, it's not like Jesus is coming back to see who's the most impressive person he finds when he returns. But he's coming back to see who's ready for his return. And what it means to be ready is to acknowledge that you're being watched. When I finished high school, I applied for my ideal job to work at Rebel Sport. What's better than just working in a sports shop? And there were two locations that came up, Bankstown and the City Store. And um, I got two interviews. The first one was in the city. I went in there and the interview was horrendous. Like, it was terrible. I'm just like, oh, that's a bomb. Anyway, I'm, I'm like, doesn't matter. I've got an interview at Bankstown later in the week. I go out to Bankstown know the drill. I'm like, I don't know how this interview is going to work out. Just sort of sitting there, sitting there. We all come together, then have this interview. Smash it. I'm just like, yes. I got offered one job. The first interview in the city. This interview that I smashed at Bankstown, I didn't get. Scratching my head. I wonder why. Well, actually, upon reflection and chatting to some of the managers after, what they were looking for wasn't actually what happened in the formal interview. They got everyone there at an earlier time and just watched how people interacted with each other. Everyone who was applying for jobs, they just wanted to see how people related when there was no pressure. Because that's the kind of person that they wanted in the store, someone who would just strike up a conversation. And in the city, I'd actually just started chatting to some people before the interview. And at Bankstown, I didn't really talk to anyone. I was just focused on nailing the interview. See, I was being watched and I, I was judged accordingly. And so when Jesus returns, how he's going to evaluate us is how ready we've been living. He's been watching. And so the question is, what will he find? The, the warning is clear that we need to be on watch. Beware of this false sense of independence that we can just go about making decisions and no one really cares what we do 
This false perception that because no one's sort of calling us up on our behaviour, that we are unaccountable. The message is, is that our master, our loving master, is watching. And he wants us to be ready for his return. And so we see in the passage that there are dire consequences for those who aren't ready. This image of the servant being chopped up into pieces, being beaten. The great warning here is the danger of not being ready. It's going to be worse than if you sort of turn up to your house and the door's open and you realise that someone has robbed your house. That's sort of just eerie feeling that this is going to be a consequence that is fatal and final in response to Peter's question about are you talking about us or everyone here Jesus is really strict about the severe consequences for those who have been entrusted with privilege and accountability for others in verse 46 if they fail to be watchful and ready Eternity is destined to be with those who are non-believers. Verse 47 gives this picture of, of separation from the master and a judgment that is according to what you know. Now, if we, we think about this idea of being cut into pieces, it, it can seem a bit severe, can't it? But let's just try and paint a picture with an imaginary scenario. Imaginary scenario. Imagine when it goes away to the farm and rather than just sort of binging on dairy and drama, I just go all out on drugs, booze and gambling. What if while she's gone, I live as though I'm not married? In fact, I live as though I'm not even a Christian. I find women to sleep with, I pay prostitutes, I just waste all of our money that we've saved up on just reckless spending. But then I managed to sort of clean myself up before she returns and give off the impression that, you know, I've been ready for her. But then over time, as she sort of sees the bank account, it's like, where's that money gone? And as someone sends her some messages of some photos and, and she sort of realises what's been going on there, well, I think she'd want to cut me to pieces. I think all of you as your pastor, you want me to be cut to pieces. Like, that kind of adulterous, lying and betraying attitude deserves justice. This is really the response that Jesus says for those who abuse the position that they're given, who are not ready for his return. God is watching and God's assessment matters. So the message for us today is that Jesus is coming back. He's watching how we live. Thankfully, like a good teacher, Jesus is prepping us for this big day, this day that matters. And the good news is what we see in verse 37. (laughs) This great reversal of roles. This picture of what Jesus' return will mean for those who are ready. When the master returns, he's not going to just go and do his own thing. 
but actually he provides an opportunity for us to recline and be waited on. This is this great picture of God's heartbeat. It's a picture of the kingdom. And we know that this isn't just imaginary because Jesus himself came not to be served but to serve. We know that it's the heartbeat of God to empty himself for our good. And so the hope that we have, the kingdom that Jesus is establishing, the the place that we want to be ready for is this kingdom and world where roles are reversed, where the lowly are raised up, where we participate in this mutual service of one another. And so the encouragement for us is to be ready, to resist that temptation to sort of do the status reversal now, living as though we're the master and trying to make God our servant. It's foolishness, but it's devastating too. The great picture that we are invited to hope for, to prepare for, is this life where God will empty himself and lift us up. So rather than living a life where we ask God questions of why aren't you giving us what we need now, when we just write off God because our expectations for him aren't meant, we're encouraged to be ready, to live by faith for this great day of his return, this great promise that we will be blessed and that we will be fully provided for. See, what we're getting ready for is a great restoration. When Jesus returns, everything will be changed. I'm not sure if any of you have been over to uh, the Three Weeds recently, this pub over at Roselle. I met up with some people there the other day and went through that um, side door. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is pretty fancy. And uh, there's tablecloths out and like, there's, there's like just a weekday lunch. And it was just like jam-packed. And someone's like, have you got a reservation? I'm like, it's the pub, isn't it? <laughs> reservation? What are you talking about? And they're like, I don't know, you're in Toddy's, this sort of restaurant. There's, there's still a front bar around. And lo and behold, the guys I was meeting was around in the front bar. And, um, but the whole place has been, you know, restored by Justin Hems and his Maryvale um, company. And, and there's sort of this picture of... Total restoration from the, this old pub that was, was quite good but was being run down into this quite lavish and just thriving restaurant and bar. And so what we sort of have to look forward to get ready to is this restoration of all that is good. God who's endless in his resources and is wanting us to participate and experience all the fullness that we get little glimpses of here. And so the encouragement for us is to be ready. Be ready for Jesus' return. And so we've got to realise that that's a different posture to those around us who don't think Jesus is coming back who perhaps have that similar outlook to me of just aspiring to a long and full life with an unprolonged and peaceful death, but who then believe there's nothing. 
to be ready for Jesus' return when the full restoration and the lavishness of God will be displayed is to live with a different posture. Not convincing ourselves that no one's watching how we live, but living knowing someone is watching. Our loving master. There's opportunities to please our master at every aspect when people are watching and when people aren't. And so what does it look like for us to to be ready? Well, I think there's a a vigilance to all aspects of life. Having the lamp on. Watching what's around us. Opportunities to do good and, and watching for the deceitful lies that we might be starting to believe in here. And we look forward to this great day of mutual service, this kingdom of joy and justice, peace and restoration. And so one of the key aspects